This is the EWN Podcast Network. Welcome to Tech in the Right Direction. This is your source for the latest technology trends shaping the world, along with tips and strategies for maximizing your career in tech. We also bring you interviews with the leading women in the tech industry, talk to youth who are rapidly building their tech knowledge, and review business solutions that will give you insights on how technology is solving business problems. Now, here's your host, Jennifer Didier. Welcome, and thank you for joining me on Tech in the Right Direction. I'm your host, Jennifer Didier, President and CEO of Directions Training. Each week, we talk with industry experts about technology trends that are emerging and changing businesses today, the career journey of IT professionals, understanding the world of women in tech, as well as talking to our youth that are rapidly building their technology skill sets. We also review case studies that provide insight into how technology is solving business and world problems. I'm excited about our guest today, so let's get moving in the right direction. This week in our Tech Trends segment, I will be talking with John Nicolau. After spending eight years in the 1980s consulting at two of the world's largest companies, Amico and AT&T, the entrepreneurial bug bit and John joined his father in a small family business during the 1990s, helping to grow it until his father's retirement in 1997. John got, got back into consulting as the technology industry was taking off working for a well-respected Microsoft partner until the early 2000s, when the entrepreneurial bug bit again. So along with a few other colleagues, he co-founded Vantage Point Partners, which is an IT consulting firm, quickly achieving gold partner status with Microsoft, focusing on small, medium-sized businesses in and around the Chicago area. During this time, he assisted other business colleagues in starting a similar firm in the area, eventually merging the two firms together in 2012 to form Zeland Partners. The team grew to 25 and achieved multiple gold competencies with Microsoft, continuing to serve the needs of their SMB clients. In late 2017, Sharp Business Systems noticed the success of Zeland Partners and they acquired Zeland in March of 2018. John's role has since shifted primarily to business development, and he is now a regional major account executive for Zeland Partners, which is a sharp IT company. John received his BA in chemistry from Knox College and his MBA in marketing from Quinlan School of Business at Loyola University of Chicago. He resides in the northern suburbs of Chicagoland with his wife and is a father of four adult children. Welcome to the show, John. Thank you, Jennifer. I appreciate you having me. Um, so, you know, you're in business and I know you hire people in your organization. Where, what do you see as the value of certification? Is there a value to you as an organization when you're bringing people on? Mm -hmm. So the way I look at it is as follows. Um, Yes, I think certifications and training are critical to get past that, you know, to get past the bar the initial barrier of entry. So what I mean by that is um, analogous to some companies won't talk to anybody unless they have a college degree. 
Okay. Mm-hmm. Doesn't you know if, if they can't check that box, you know the the, the AI in HR uh, search applications is going is going to flush those people out maybe right away. Mm-hmm. And in, and in this day and age, you know, if if a, an employer is going to be picky, they can set that bar wherever they want. Well, I think the same thing holds true in the technology industry. If one can come to the table for an interview or a job application, and they have certifications of various types, um, you know, as a part of their resume, whether it's the big guys, you know, the Cisco's, the Microsoft's, the HP's, et cetera, of security, whatever of the, of the world, that's just going to set the bar higher for them and, and make it tougher for anybody who comes after them that doesn't have those certifications. Now, at the same time, you and I both know that what the book says and what the test says about what's in the content in that book, while that's important, it's not necessarily right 100% of the time. But you're not even going to get past the front door if, in many instances, if you don't have that certification to say, hey, I showed the discipline and the ability to get through this class, this test, this series of exams, whatever. So that tells something to a potential employer. But at the same time, I know that there are are technical folks on our teams that have been in the industry so long and have a ton of experience, but maybe their certification isn't up to snuff or up to speed or current. I love them to get there, but at the same time, I realize they're street smarts in what they've done and learned and accomplished in their experience is also incredibly valuable. So there's a bit of a double-edged sword there in that the certifications tell us as a potential employer the discipline you had to go through the process, take the class, get the test, be certified, and prove your ability. But we also want to know that you can learn because we're also going to teach you our way of doing it. And maybe that's going to be a little different than what the book says. But at the same time, if you don't have that certification at all, you may never get to the fir- to the first level of interview with us because you haven't demonstrated the discipline and the willingness to make that investment to be a technology professional. So it, it's it's not black and white, but there are some certain minimums you got to hit if if you're going to get past certain people's doors. I, I, I don't know if that answers your question, but that's that's kind of where my brain's at when I think about this stuff. No, that's perfect. And you know, if you have both, you're golden. If you yeah, have absolutely. the okay. real world experience and the sure. certification, that's awesome. Sure. Um, but certification gives you that stamp, industry stamp of approval that says, yes, you know this material, you can do it. You you've gone through, like you said, the disciplines of learning as well as testing on it. Uh, but I have to say that I completely agree that the real world, real world experience is also very, very valuable because you can be uh, book smart but not street smart, right? Correct. So you have to make sure that you have both. Um, today, business is driving technology. So it is very important to have that real world business experience because in the past, technology was driving business. And today it's the opposite. So we're saying, you know, not only do you have to have those technology skills, you also have to have the soft skills that go with communicating leadership, um, you know, talking to C-level folks, letting them know why technology is so important because the business is going to drive technology. What are you seeing there? Um, as far as what's driving technology or driving mm-hmm. business with technology, mm-hmm. I think the things that uh, are, are on the horizon is obviously mobility is going to be the, the, probably one of the most important and just or an increase in how applications 
are mobile friendly because that's just how people work today. And um, also anywhere access, as you mentioned earlier, you know, your hotspot that you'll sometimes use. You know, we're seeing uh, Internet access and Wi-Fi being pretty much ubiquitous in a commercial building and mm-hmm. frankly in a lot of neighborhoods as as many people know the largest isps w- when they put a, a modem out there for a business uh, or for a residence there's two antennas in most of those modems and that's going to be the public access one for the general public that's in an area versus the private for the business but now with the with the technology and 5g coming and the performance that that promises or that holds out to be you know incredibly strong bandwidth opportunities there, the mobility is just going to increase. And I've used my hotspot more in the last two years than I used it in the previous, I don't know how many, because there are those rare instances where I'm somewhere, I don't have internet access, I throw that mobile hotspot on my dashboard, I'm early for a meeting, I pull out my laptop uh, and I start zipping through email, getting caught up on stuff. Uh, because I have that technology and that anywhere access. So to me, the, the things that are on the horizon is just making things more mobile friendly and providing anywhere access because I think even when we take you know PTO, you know vacation time, mm-hmm. no one wants to come home to 4,000 emails. Right. So I've, I'm sure you, you and I have talked about this, I'm sure, in the past. You travel, you take vacation, you've got families strewn across the country, but you're checking that email at night, or, or, you know, when you get some downtime because you don't want to walk in that Monday and have so much stuff sta- staring at the face like, am I ever going to get through this? So we're, we've all become – and there's also an expectation, I think, fortunately or unfortunately from clients, that if I text you or I, I email you, I expect a response pretty quickly. Mm-hmm. So if you don't manage expectations properly – you know that can become a problem. So it's it's a it's a double-edged sword there as well because since you can be accessible almost anywhere. I mean, I've been to foreign countries where I've received that uh, that FaceTime or Google Duo conversation from some of the United States, and I'm you know 8,000 miles away and I'm oh, talking yeah. and I'm scratching my head going, well, I was on vacation, but this is an important <laughs> issue, and I'm glad I was able to solve that problem, and I'm glad they were able to reach me. And right. 15 years ago, 10 years ago, we couldn't do that. It's all different now. Yeah, that is a whole separate double-edged sword, right? Yeah, I mean, I was on, on vacation last week, and, you know, like like you said, I don't want to come back to any surprises or any emails that, you know, I need to then sift through all in one day. So I made sure I made time out of vacation to, you know, check email, right. respond to things, or forward it to somebody that could take care of it, you know, whatever. But it was so critical to me. Um, and, you know, somebody would say, oh, you have to shut down completely, but you can't anymore. It no. just feels like you always, this always on concept is an expected, um, it's an expectancy from clients, from friends, from anybody, you know. <laughs> I would agree, and and we've kind of done it to ourselves because when you when you respond to those first few emails or a text on vacation, you've opened Pandora's box. There, Absolutely. Absolutely. the toothpaste is out of the tube. You're not going back. <laughs> You're not going back. Very true. Well, we've talked about you know how far we've come in technology. We talked about you know punch cards and Fortran and uh, <laughs> languages that you know don't exist anymore. What, where do you see technology in five or ten years? What is some of your thoughts on the vision? And I know that's a long time and it's really hard to predict where it's going, but what are you seeing? 
You know, that's a great question in that I see these buildings going up in downtown Chicago, and I ask myself, who's going to go into those buildings or these office parks, you know, out in the suburbs? And um, I wonder who's going to fill them because with increased mobility and anywhere access to working, uh, do you really need to be in an office? Now, especially with the advent of video conferencing and how sophisticated with AI and machine learning, et cetera, that that technology is getting. And, and I've been fortunate enough to be uh, out at Microsoft's campus in Redmond on a couple of occasions and see some of the things that are coming from the smart house and the smart office. Mm -hmm. and, and our parent company that purchased us a year ago, Sharp, and what they're doing for the smart office, so you walk into a room and it knows who you are through facial recognition, so it sets up the temperature and the lighting and, you know, et cetera, to suit, you know, whatever your preferences are, or your profile is. Um, but I, I scratch my head and wonder, will we be in offices? Mm -hmm. uh, I, I do see a lot of benefit to it from time to time for the collaboration, you know, but with technology today and, and language translation, you can see body language. And you can interpret facial expression and things like that. So do you really need to be in the same room? Because with the advent of smart cars and driving, that should improve traffic, maybe. Um, so I'm curious. But I think it's all going to uh, hinge on what we do from a mobility standpoint. And again, can we get access? Because folks expect, especially millennials and post-millennials, they take Internet access for granted. And um, even, even, like I said earlier, on an airplane. They want to be connected all the time, and those are our future workers. So they're going to expect it. So I think that's what's going to drive how businesses operate. And then when you think of AI, what they're doing in agriculture and in manufacturing and placing sensors in the ground to know when to plant and water and fertilize, et cetera. So those kinds of, again, uh, using uh, getting broadband over TV white space and extending Internet to rural communities and to urban communities where maybe there isn't a, an ISP presence, those things will help increase job opportunities. They'll, they'll provide for job opportunities in areas where it didn't exist before because Internet access, again, is necessary for job growth. So I think, again, uh, Internet access anywhere and mobility will just continue to drive what, what goes on in our world and in business. Yeah, those are great observations. And, you know, our company went um, virtual about three three years ago, and it, it really works. I mean, we collaborate all the time. As long as you're using the right tools, we have the entire Microsoft uh, tool set that, you know, allows us to collaborate, allows us to communicate. We have video connections. We do that with our customers. Uh, it saves time. It saves travel. Mm -hmm. uh, it gives them more time for for family because there's no commute time anymore. Mm -hmm. uh, so it's it's really been like a big perk for our company because now they have the ability to work remotely. Yeah, I work remote probably 98% of the time if I'm not on the road. But here's the the blessing curse aspect of our double edged sword. Um, it makes it so much easier for me to work and get to work because it's 15 feet down the hall. <laughs> But then I never leave work. I know. So, and I'm expected to work uh, to a certain degree all the time or at least be available. So I don't mind it because it helps me be efficient. And as you said, from a family perspective, uh, when my children were young, I was able to attend pretty much any of those school, sports, artistic uh, situations, which is great now that I would work at night mm -hmm. and make up the difference there. But now today, you know, uh, I'm really close to work. That's the blessing, and I'm really close to work. <laughs> That's yes. The 
So yes. it goes, it cuts both ways. <laughs> so true. So yeah. true. Um, so, you know, we touched on this a little bit and I wanted to kind of elaborate a little bit more. So with all the devices that we have, everybody has multiple devices. I think we have like three tablets and two phones and computers, desktops, laptops. I, I can't even tell you how many devices we have anymore. Sure. Um, and they're all competing for our attention. So how do you focus and deal with distractions? And then how do you create balance? Because like you've talked about, you know, you're always on, the expectation is if you're working from home, you're always available. So how do you shut down and create balance? Well, um, that's a great question again. And if you know the answer, would you please tell <laughs> me? Uh, I would say this, and, and um, I'm guilty of it, like many of us are. Um, so my wife is in the healthcare field. And, you know, has become somewhat, uh, I don't know, I wouldn't say addicted, but, you know, with the kids being somewhat dispersed and, and having that next generation come around as well, mm -hmm. you want to be plugged into your kids and what's going with them and their kids, et cetera, and your friends and social media has created this opportunity to be in touch. So to try and answer your question, um, I, I was away this past weekend with a reunion of a group of many, many, many years, and there was quite a, a sizable group of us. And I would say the majority, over 20 of us, majority of people were never more than a few feet away from their phones. Mm -hmm. And and so, the, the again, the blessing and curse uh, scenario I described earlier, part of it is being in touch with your kids and your family. Mm -hmm. And it, it's great in that I can video to my kids and grandchildren, et cetera, at the push of a button. Mm -hmm. which, you know, when I was growing up or before that, of course, you couldn't do that. So that's a great aspect of it. But then I think I read a study a number of years ago that we're never more than seven feet away from our phones wow. because it's just become that part of our lives and our children's lives. So what I try to do, I've, I've heard of these camps where kids go. We were talking about it over this weekend where they take your phone when you show up at the camp mm -hmm. and you don't, you don't get it till you leave. Or the, the dinners where you have to put your phone in the center of the table when you're out with friends and the first one to grab their phone gets the bill for the restaurant. <laughs> no, there's those kind of things. I, I think it's it's a real it comes down to a personal preference and also just uh, how disciplined people are. I can put my phone in my pocket or away in my briefcase and I, I don't go through withdrawal, especially if I want to focus on, you know, a personal relationship or something of that nature. Sure. But but I'd say once that interaction is over, um, not that it's oxygen, but I, I look for my phone because I'm like, okay, is there – but it's not so much a social media thing for me. It's a has there been a business thing that took place that mm -hmm. I need to act on so that I can address a customer's need? And I don't mean to sound altruistic or like some sort of martyr here, but it's really about customer satisfaction and, and, and customer service. Now, on the weekends, as I've gotten older – that phone will stay, you know, charged in the kitchen or up by my nightstand and I'll do something else or cut the grass or go barbecue or whatever. Mm -hmm. So I'm getting better at it. Um, but at the same time, if I'm if I am engaged during the weekday, you know, I'll see my wife even when she goes to bed at night. She's got her phone up and she's checking email or checking with the kids or social media. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And sometimes both of us are lying in bed with our phones <laughs> and, I'd chuckle and I'd say there's a commercial here or something somewhere. But, you know, we, we, we I guess it's just it's kind of an ebb and flow. There are times when we've disconnected and just turn the phones off and that's fine, too. So it's yeah, I think... personal, preference. personal preference. I was going to say it just ends up being personal preference, I guess. No, that's true. Um, I think, you know, 
it's a blended approach and you can't think of work and play as two separate things or work and home as two separate things anymore. You know, in no. the old days, we used to go eight to five, we'd come home, we didn't worry about work, got back up the next day, went to work and focused on work. Now we might have to take our kid to the doctor or, you know, whatever, there could be things that are happening in your day. And then that forces you then to still catch up. But the ability to have that remote access is such a blessing because then you can have that blended approach, you know, to work and whatever needs to happen that that minute. That's a great term. I never thought of that term, but the, the word blended you use, I mm-hmm. think, is very appropriate because I remember when the BlackBerry first came out, and that was the real first tool that let you, you know, whether it was paging or, or texting, if you will, or, or email back then. I found it so productive because I w- I'm on the road so much as a business development person. To have access to email remotely mm-hmm. allowed me to get through stuff during the day so when I got home, I could actually really turn it off yeah. and, and, and enjoy dinner and, you know, this and the other thing. Well, then, of course, it morphed and blended into you know i mean i remember taking calls on a weekend at a at a child's uh uh you know sporting event but if i didn't take that call or respond to that email there was a certain significant issue for a client that would have been devastating for them business-wise and we were able, able to help them and i'm thinking well, I'm glad I had the technology, but again, I was at the game. I was engaged in the mm-hmm, game, mm-hmm. but that blended approach, it, it was kind of a win-win. We helped the client. I, and I, you were at the game. I still be with my son. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. I think that's, that's how I look at it. And it's, it has worked for me, but balance is always, I'm gonna there is no term. such thing. Sure, I'm going sure. to steal your blended term. I like that. <laughs> Great. Um, I know you have consultants in your organization. Um, how did they learn today and what's different in learning today from, because, you know, computer skills, technology is changing so much. And to be relevant, you have to stay current all the time. How do you stay current? What types of forms of learning do you um, personally employ as well as, you know, the consultants that are on the road? So we do it all. We, we take advantage of the tra- uh, the, the in-class type of training uh, mm-hmm. when and where appropriate. We take advantage, obviously, of online training when and where appropriate. Um, my preference is old school. I would rather put uh, our consultants into a classroom setting, maybe in a, in, a, in a boot camp, because I know they're sharp to begin with, with their level of experience. Mm-hmm. They need a really well-trained trainer that, that understands how to, how to teach the class in, in a logical and efficient manner because the, the pressure we get from the other side is the fact that when we take them out of the field, now, you know, as consultants, they're not billing their time. Mm-hmm. And that's that, so there's two costs that we're incurring the, the revenue lost opportunity for them not being in the field working for us at the same time, the revenue that we have to spend to to get them trained. Um, I, I prefer the classroom boot camp style because I think that collaboration is so critical and important. But I also understand and appreciate it. And I'm sensitive to the fact that young people today are so used to e-learning and mm-hmm. distance learning. I was with someone not too long ago, and they were talking about doing some post-grad uh, work, and it was all going to be uh, online. Mm-hmm. And I, I just scratched my head, and I just said, really? Like, you'll never have to go sit with a group and a team in a classroom and collaborate? And, you know, well, we could do it on video, like you said, that your way your team does, and we do it too. Mm-hmm. And it just, like, 
so will will they need those big buildings and all those endowments at at colleges and universities? Because will everything turn to distant learning? Mm-hmm. So we, we use all the forms we need to, but I think the hardest hurdle we have to get over is is convincing management and that the the time away serves a couple of purposes. The collaborative process of people being in a class is helpful. And the fact that they can get away from the grind of a consultant being at X number of clients in a week and just focus on the material and learn it and then be able to take a test and pass it is important too. So we can't be so selfish uh, and so all-consumed with billable hours, in my opinion, that we forego classroom training or some sort of way to have a collaborative training process, but the pressure economically may determine, you know, what the final outcome will look like. That's very true. Um, It is very expensive when you take them out of the field and you put them in class, but we find, you know, in in the um, ROI uh, statistics that that we've gotten, you get tenfold back because that knowledge makes you more competitive. Uh, It gets them to be more productive, they can do the job faster. So training um, is another way to also increase retention, um, keep people happier in their jobs, um, you know, and also make the company more valuable. And so sometimes if you don't look at it that way, you look at it as a cost, but if you look at it as an investment, the return is great. Well, and I'll add one more point. Mm -hmm. When you do a classroom or collaborative training process, you do something that kind of was from your previous question, it helps you build a relationship. And not only with the instructor, but with the fellow classmates that down the road where you can interact and collaborate together on future things. Hey, you know, I see the the blog threads and things of that nature when we've gone to a class and the thought, and especially with Microsoft Teams now that keep those training channels open, you see the constant flow of interaction back and forth. To me, that that building of a relationship through that training process, you can't put a price tag on that. Really true. And, you know, in our in our classrooms, we do have discussion uh, groups that we have created virtually that you can uh, with your teammates, you can collaborate and work on a project. And then the instructor sees the results of that project and brings the entire groups together. And um, so similar to in person, but it's done virtually. Um, so those things are getting better and better. And, and we are because you know, I, I think I'm old school, call me old school, but I think there is nothing better than an experience of a group of people sitting together and learning together because you learn from each other. And so we've got to get to the point where that virtual classroom is giving those same results. And it's getting better every day. Mm-hmm. Sure. I'd agree. Yeah, this has been so great. In closing, John, what what advice would you give to an IT professional who's just starting out today? What what would you say, if you look back at your uh, tech career, mm-hmm. what would you have done differently, or what advice would you give somebody that's saying, I really want to do this, but I'm not sure about it? Mm-hmm. Um, I think uh, I was so incredibly fortunate to have folks that were willing to mentor me and and i i was i was willing to be mentored um you know some people 
uh, feel they know more than they actually do or have more experience than they actually do. Mm-hmm. And, and I'm sure I'm guilty of that or have been guilty of that along the way. But I'm also very fortunate and grateful that I had uh, folks uh, that were mentors to me, including my parents, um, that showed me by example. Um, but also in my education, learning how to learn was very powerful. And then finding those mentors that were willing to mentor, because in this day and age, how fast-paced people are and rushed and pulled in 82 different directions, mm-hmm. you know, you might not find somebody who's willing to give you the time. But if you do come across someone who's willing to give you that time and, and, and spend time with you and help teach and mentor and guide you, you know, be a sponge and learn and listen and watch. You know, the good Lord gave you two ears and one mouth, and you should mm-hmm. use, them, use them in proportion. Mm-hmm. Um, also, maybe put down the phone and pay attention. You know, um, life is going at a pretty brisk pace, but if you if you don't uh, if you don't pay attention, you'll miss a lot. And then I would encourage people. You know, never stop learning, uh, never stop testing and trying, uh, and then repeat. You know, because you're going to make mistakes, don't be afraid to make mistakes. That's the way you learn. Don't be embarrassed by making mistakes. And when you make a mistake, don't be afraid to admit it, own up to it, and and learn from it and move forward. But so I think finding a mentor and have a willingness to be mentored is critical. Uh, you put down the phone or other piece of technology and pay attention. And then you know, don't be afraid to learn. Uh, don't be afraid to be tested on what you've learned. Try what you've learned and repeat. And, and learn from it. So I think that's, that's the, the advice I'd give to somebody starting in the business. Right, that is great, great advice. Well, thank you, John. It was a pleasure well, speaking with you. you. Always thank good to you spend again. time with you as well. Appreciate thank it. You. Thank you. As your organization continues to embrace and adopt new technologies, does your team have the skills required to make the most of your investments? Directions Training offers IT professional and end-user training for the most popular solutions today, including Microsoft 365, Azure, AWS, Cisco, Citrix, VMware, and much more. Our flexible delivery methods and full customized offerings make sure that you get the training you need just the way you need it, in-person, virtual, on-demand, or through a blended approach. Success is a journey. Ask for directions. Visit us at www.directionstraining.com for more information today. And now, an exclusive offer for our listeners. From IT skill enhancements to end-user adoption training, Directions Training is your resource to help optimize the effectiveness of your technology investments. Over half a million students have taken advantage of our wide selection of technology and business training solutions covering the most popular applications today, such as Microsoft 365, Azure, Windows 10, and more. As a podcast listener, we invite you to take advantage of an exclusive offer. Receive 30 days of free access to our on-demand courses for IT professionals or end-users. Visit us at www.com directionstraining.com slash podcast to claim this offer today. Hurry, this offer is only available for a limited time. Success is a journey. Ask for directions.
Thanks for listening to Technology in the Right Direction, your source for the latest technology trends shaping the world. To download this week's show or listen to past shows, visit directionstraining.com forward slash podcast. Past shows are also available at ewnpodcastnetwork.com, as well as through iTunes, Spotify, and Stitcher. To find out how to be a guest on the show, visit directionstraining.com forward slash podcast. Until next time, we hope that technology takes your business in the right direction. Calling all speakers. E-Women Network has speaking engagements all over North America that must be filled. Are you a gifted messenger, author, expert, or successful entrepreneur that can help women entrepreneurs grow their businesses? Our mission is to help 1 million fulfilled women each achieve $1 million in annual revenue. If you're a speaker that can help women prosper, go to eWomenNetwork.com and sign up as a pro member of our Speakers Network. That's eWomenNetwork.com. Thanks for listening. This is the EWN Podcast.